Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Cody Allen, another blown save, another home run allowed. Clayton Kershaw, one strikeout. What is going on? And Jacob DeGrom, he finally got a win. He's 6-7 and seven on the year with a 177 ERA. Those are just some of the things. We will be covering today. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today. I am Adam Azer, and he is Scott White. Hello, Scott. Hello, Adam. I was about to introduce myself, like we were anchors of a news program, and I'm Scott White. Oh, that would yeah. You ever yeah. Uh, you ever anchored a news program before? Uh, yeah, yeah, and and, and you know the college the college news program. That right. was my my Me major too. was broadcast news, so mm-hmm. that was. A requisite part of the studies. Yeah, I did that too, and um, I had to sit on a phone book because the girl I was co-anchoring with was <laughs> taller than I am, so I had to sit on a phone book. And they uh, couldn't spring for adjustable chairs, huh? I guess not. I guess not. You know, not a lot of oh. money in those colleges. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get into baseball and some other stuff. Oh, yeah. So one of the cool things I want to do today is I want to look at three breakout players. Jacob Degrom, breakout player. I mean, I know he's been great before, but He's, he's breaking out. Francisco Lindor, top four hitter. Fourth in Roto, second in points. He's a breakout. He was a second-round pick. He's going to be a first-round pick. Uh, Patrick Corbin, having a breakout year. Let's talk about what they've done and who's next, who might follow in their footsteps. What can we look for? What types of signs can we look for? But first, I don't know that there's much analysis here. Nobody's going to drop Cody Allen, but there's definitely a possibility at this point that he gets uh, – I don't know. Weaned off the closer role? <laughs> I thought it was already happening. Yeah, we got but, the same chance yesterday and he blew it. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah. And Hand was facing Maurer and Eddie Rosario were due up in the ninth, which are of course two of the best left handed hitters the twins have, so clearly there's an element of playing the matchups here. Um so that contributed to it, I'm sure. But yeah, it's, it just, Cody Allen hasn't been very reliable and they have a couple of other really good options. Yeah. Alright, so that's, that's that. Any Wednesday standouts for you, Scott White? Well, it was a big day for both of the Calhouns. Willie had a couple doubles. Cole, another home run. Uh, Willie only has one home run. During his time up with the Rangers in 60 at bats, but the strikeouts have been low as they were throughout his minor league career. And, uh, the batting average is inching up there. There's, there's still a chance, uh, there's still a chance he makes an impact in mixed leagues to close out the season. There's a chance David Dahl does too. He started three straight games now, I believe. Yeah. And he, ho- he homered yesterday after really discouraging. Stint in the minors coming off injury, but we know there's a lot of potential there, and it's obviously a good environment for him if he gets the at-bats. Yeah, David Dahl, four games since being recalled. He's four for 12 with a home run and a steal. Two walks, two strikeouts. So far, so good. Carlos Gonzalez uh, ended up sitting yesterday, so they've kind of rotated. They gave Blackman a day off, and I think Parra must have had a day. Now Gonzalez, and it was not a—it was Chris Archer on the mound. It wasn't a lefty. 
So it's probably just a day off for Cargo. He deserves to be in there more than Dahl, but hopefully it's Para that gets the short end of the stick. And David Dahl is owned in 32% of leagues. So, you know, I didn't even take a look to see if he was available in my Roto League. I made a, I made an ad drop in a Roto League yesterday. We have Fab twice a week, Tuesday and uh, Wednesday. Actually, don't even know if it went through. Let's see if I got him. <laughs> Let's uh, see. Oh, David Dahl crossed. was a free agent. He went for eight bucks. I wouldn't have put that much on him. Yes. Um, what, what kind actually, of league is it? Actually, no, it, you know, it's a fine bid because it's a $250 budget. It's just a matter of how much you have at this point. It's a, it's a pretty deep 13 team Roto League for David Dahl. Okay. Um, I went $2 on Randall Grichik and I got him. And Grichik homered yesterday. He led off. I haven't checked where he's been hitting in the lineup, but he's one of their best hitters at this point. His strikeouts have been lower. I, look, I don't have high hopes. It's a 13 team Roto League, but I did pick up Randall Grichik and I, you know what I did, Scott? What'd you do? Dropped Michael Conforto. And I just can't. I gotta win, man. I gotta win right now. Season slipping away. I'm in second place in that league. I gotta get first. I I, feel like. I can't wait uh, on Conforto anymore. Conforto's trending up though. No, he is. He was. I mean, he had, he had a good game yesterday. Finally, he scored his first (laughs) runs in I think 11 games. He has been terrible lately. Well. Last 22 games, 299 with a 908 OPS. Last 11 games, what? He's terrible. Last terrible. 11 games. Uh, that's very specific. Well, that's why I saw he had scored three runs yesterday. I think those are the only three runs he scored in 11 games. I, I just I mean, can't wait anymore he, on Conforto. He's hit 256. It's, <laughs> you know, whatever. It's 11 games. With no, pa- with any extra Look base at hits? 22 games, Adam. That, that is the, Non-arbitrary sample side. What's the opposite of arbitrary? Arbitration. Uh, intentional, but that doesn't really work. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, all right. So the Calhoun stood out. Um, yeah. And David Dahl stood out, and Cody Allen sure. stood out. A lot of standouts, really. I'm Lu- sure. Yeah. I'm sure you have more in the notes. You know, I do. Luis Severino, 18 swinging strikes. You know, he gave up two runs in the first inning. He looked. He didn't look very good. He threw a pretty flat slider that got hit hard. And I, I already had scripted out what we were going to talk about with Luis Severino. And then <laughs> everything changed, and he ended up with a really good start. And the White Sox are real. I mean, they're this is a great matchup. They're really bad. They strike out a ton. Lance Lynn, CeCe Sabathia, now Luis Severino dominated the White Sox. It was seven innings. It was three runs, two in the first. No walks, eight strikeouts, and 18 swinging strikes. And, you know, I had mentioned that his slider hadn't been very good. And after the game, he said he's been working on it with Larry Rothschild, the pitching coach, and uh, got some dividends last night. The question is, is he fixed or just just the White Sox for Severino? I mean, it's just the White Sox. Those people who picked up Lance Leonard in for a letdown. <laughs> That's, I, I mean, it, you know, who knows? Who knows? I I wasn't really worried about Severino. I think after this start, even though it was against the White Sox, and that that was the only reason I was willing to start him this time out, as bad as they've been recently. Uh, but I'm going to start him next time. It's enough enough reason for me to hope he's back. All right. And uh, the other ace that we need to check in on, that's Severino, who, by the way, is set up for two starts against the Mets and the Blue Jays next week. Clayton Kershaw. Said he didn't really have anything last night. He was just kind of, you know, he couldn't put anybody away. That's what he said. And, yep, one strikeout. One <laughs> strikeout. Four swinging strikes in 97 pitches. Six innings of two-run ball. Um, 
ERA is still really good. He's pitching fine, but one strikeout and, uh, you know, he had had a 13% swinging strike rate, strike rate in four starts before yesterday, which is good. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, we're not seeing vintage Kershaw. What do you think about this start from Kershaw? Yeah, in terms of the strikeouts, I'm not, you know, I'm just going to chalk it up as a, as a fluke. His velocity, at least according to Brooks Baseball, was about what it's been all season, which is a couple miles per hour down from last season. And that was down a little from the season before. So he's, he looks like he's in the decline phase of his career, but I think there's still plenty left in the tank. He's still a top 10 pitcher for me in fantasy. Clayton Kershaw. All right. I think I asked you this last time. I'll ask it again. Kershaw or Syndergaard? I prefer Kershaw. Alrighty. Uh, Scott, I prefer listening to a lot of podcasts. I know a lot of the podcast listeners out there, you, you really, you listen to a lot. And I don't know how you do it. There aren't that many hours in the day, but I appreciate it. It's <laughs> awesome. CBS Sports is basically a great hub for podcasting. Name a sport, we more or less have it. Not everything, but we, we got a lot of podcasts for you. We've got a football podcast called Pick Six. We've got an MMA wrestling boxing podcast called In This Corner. We've got a generic sports podcast with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell called Off the Bench. we got fantasy football, obviously, fantasy football today, cranking up right now. It's the uh, fourth most popular sports podcast in iTunes, number one on Stitcher. So please check it out. And if you want a listing of all of our shows, cbssports.com slash podcast, cbssports.com slash podcast. We also have CBS Sports HQ, great way to get your info, your sports info, your news, your scores, your highlights. This is a 24-7 streaming channel that you can get on your over-the-top device. For example, your Roku or anything you got, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. Download the CBS Sports app. Everything is free. Download the CBS Sports app. Watch CBS Sports HQ. Getting amazing feedback. You are going to absolutely love it. People have worked really hard to make it a great sports network. It's kind of a throwback to the old days of sports coverage. And uh, check it out. All right, Scott, you know, there's here's a question. I think that could have a big impact on fantasy down the road. And pretty soon, too. Who moves into the Houston Astros rotation to fill in for Lance McCullers? I got my fingers crossed. I would love to see Brad Peacock in that role. Yeah, I mean, Brad Peacock was obviously an effective starter for the Astros last year. Colin McHugh has had... A few years of being an effective starter for them. Uh, I think both need to be owned because either one could be a big find in fantasy down the stretch. But the Astros really haven't tipped their hand here as to which it is. And there's a chance it could be neither. There's a chance they go with somebody from the minors. You know, it's not like... It, they would be getting stretched out on the fly if they did turn to one of them because they both, Peacock and McHugh, have been in the bullpen all year. Yeah, so true. Yeah, so Peacock, like I, the reason I'm hoping for him is as a starter last year, he had a 322 ERA. He struck out 135 batters in 111 and two-thirds. But he did walk 46. And last year he also had a uh, – he walked about four and a half per nine as a reliever. But this year, 12 walks and 48 and two-thirds as a reliever with 70 strikeouts. So maybe 
he's got the control down, and if Peacock has better control, he he could be an ace. Like he could be amazing. I don't know if I should well, say he yeah. could be an I ace mean, or else. Even he, last year, yeah. it was a three oh seven fit he had as primarily a starter. Yeah, he, he so could be great. You, you, may, you may remember when they traded for Garrett Cole, I actually uh was somber over that news because of what it meant for Brad Peacock. I was really excited about him before that happened. Had him I think as a top thirty starting pitcher in my rankings. So I could totally understand he, you being hopeful of of that switch, he's twenty one. They could go in a few different directions here. A couple of injured sluggers. Uh, one of them used to be a slugger anyway. Joey Votto. He's missed three of his last four games with a knee injury, and he should be back tomorrow. Mike Trout could be back tomorrow. If you've been holding on to you, Darvish, good news. He had a, an encouraging bullpen session. He was throwing about ninety three miles per hour. He could have another bullpen session and then go on a rehab assignment. And maybe be ready just in time for the postseason. No, maybe you get a few starts in September. Out of I mean, it's uh, been so long, it's so long. Pitched. Feel like it's going to be a long rehab assignment. I don't. I, I hope not. Uh, I'm hoping to get three or four starts out of Darvish to end the year, but uh, fingers crossed. Ben Zobris is day to day. Hyunjin Ryu is nearing a return. Oh boy, I. I got my fingers crossed that Kenta Maeda doesn't get destroyed at Colorado this weekend. Um, cause, you know, you look at his VIP and Maeda, I told you, I, I called him a bylo yesterday. He's having a better year than the numbers would indicate, but he's got this Colorado start and then he's got Ryu. Stripling can't be too far away. I don't know what his deal is. Um, Wood threw a little bit yesterday. So Dodgers rotation is going to be a mess. Felix Hernandez could be removed from the Seattle rotation. Calvin Herrera is on the DL with a rotator cuff impingement. Ryan Madsen will fill in as closer for the Nationals. It may not be a long stay for Kelvin Herrera. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, going to keep an eye on him. He has four doubles in his last three games, and he has four walks in August. Here's a dumb stat. Giovanni Gallardo leads baseball with seven wins since June 23rd. That's dumb. Dumb. Um, Scott, uh, according to the AP recap, Fran Mil Reyes hit a, quote, scorching liner, end quote, that was caught by uh, Shasin, I believe. But he hit a scorching liner, and I want to say hashtag no leg kick for Fran Mil Reyes. There you go. Okay. Get it more, more progress. <laughs> uh, Nomar Mazar is going to begin a rehab assignment today. And the Twins, I don't know if you saw this little nugget. The Twins could go all rays on us and start using relievers as openers. That happened the other day, didn't it? Oh, I don't know. I may have missed that. Um, It happened somewhere. You know what? I may be thinking of the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays did it with Tyler Clippard. They did. Yeah, that's probably what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still not uh, – still don't know that this strategy has legs. Yeah. Still don't. I, I, I still don't yeah. really – understand why you would want to limit your options in the later innings like that like the whole the whole um you know can't have a fixed closer movement is about expanding your options in the late innings right having more weapons at your disposal to use situationally and whatnot and if you're burning one of the those relievers that you'd potentially use in those scenarios then you're right back to limiting your options. So I don't, I don't really understand it. Yeah, uh, it's worked for the Rays, but I don't think it's gonna be ideal. I don't think it's gonna work for teams that have rotations that they really believe in. Uh, we'll see. 
Um, all right, here we go, Scott. Let's talk about some of these 2018 breakouts and who's next. Jacob deGrom, he's incredible. I, he needs to win the Cy Young, unless he really melts. But <laughs> I don't care about the record. I don't care about how bad the Mets are. 177 ERA, great strikeout rate, .96 whip, just amazing year. And in 2017, his velocity increased. The homers were much higher. His home run to fly ball ratio was way up, but he had a very small increase in fly ball rate and an even smaller increase in hard contact rate, so it didn't really make sense. DeGrom also had a career-high swinging strike rate last year, and he's bested that this year. Are you surprised by this breakout? Because I'm not totally surprised. I mean, everybody's a little surprised at a 177 ERA, right? I mean, sure. nobody can be that good except maybe Kershaw. But yeah. I'm not that surprised that DeGrom has made the jump. I didn't think the innings would be there. Maybe that has been surprising. Well, health had been an issue for him for the last few years, right? And, yeah, I'm surprised that he's gone. You know, he went from basically a, a pitcher who's – FIP was in the low to mid threes to uh, 220 FIP this year. And a lot of it has to do with the home runs, actually. A lot of it does. Um, and that's worth checking on the ground ball rate to see if anything's changed there. Or if possibly he's having good home run luck, you know? Yeah, he might be. Ground ball wise, eh, it's pretty much the same as always. Just the home run to fly ball rate is way down, as low as it was during his rookie season. So that's interesting. Now, I don't think the Cy Young thing, you know, even if, even apart from win-loss record, there's an argument to be made for Scherzer instead. Scherzer leads the NL in innings, strikeouts, whip, K per nine, hit per nine, you know, a lot of the categories other than ERA. But it's 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 a two-horse race, I would say. Yeah, I mean, Scherzer's pretty damn good. I, I just, DeGrom's having a special season. Uh, so who could be next? There's a guy that it's not doing it this year, but he did similar things to DeGrom last year. Uh, he, he had a higher K rate, a career high K rate. Uh, he had always been a high whip guy and DeGrom actually had been kind of a higher whip guy than you might think. Um, but, uh, the strikeouts were up. I think the home runs really were his problem last year. And that is actually the case. Gave up 27 of them. And that's Carlos Martinez. It's not going to happen this year, but I'm not giving up on Martinez jumping into the next tier. Scott, I don't think he could ever be as good as DeGrom this year because the walks are just too high, but I think there's another level for Carlos Martinez personally. Maybe it's like top 10 instead of top 5. But do you do you think there's anybody that comes to mind that could be uh, next year's DeGrom? Hmm. I mean, Paxton is in that conversation, I think. You know, we're, we're talking about pitchers who are already good, like DeGrom was, and taking another step forward. Uh, yeah, I, I really think, I think Paxton's probably, I mean, there are, Blake I suppose Snow. there's a chance Patrick Corbin gets even better. Um, it's hard to envision Snell or Aaron Nola getting better. Who else is in that next, kind of that? Second tier. I, I was pitchers. always waiting for Carrasco, and I suppose, like, I would need to see a little bit more velocity from Carrasco, and fewer bad, you know, blow up starts, and maybe it's a home run problem for him. He he has he has been awesome he, lately. Uh, he's kind of turned 
things around where it's just like the peripherals are so good, peripherals are so good, but the fastball is not good enough. And I, I don't know, maybe that's not going to change for Carrasco. And he's 31, so. So, but the Grom's, so the Grom's 31, the right? The or the Grom's 30 or 31? He's, uh, he turned 30 this year. He's a couple years younger okay. than Carrasco. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, I guess Garrett Cole is also a guy like that, but, uh. I feel like that already happened yeah, for Garrett Cole yeah, this year. Yep. Alright, um, and, and then Corbin himself was in this category. And here's something to keep in mind with Corbin. His last 20 games of 2017, 20 games, 19 starts, still a lot of innings, 117 and two-thirds. He had a strikeout per inning. He had a 321 ERA, 9-7 record, 321 ERA. Always a good ground ball rate, but kind of a high whip because of the ground balls. The, the swinging strikes, I mean, Corbin confuses me, Scott, because his velocity has been down. His curveball is so good, or it's a slider. I think it's his curveball. So good, and his strikeouts are so good, 183 it's, and 148 and two-thirds. Yeah, it's classified as a slider. Okay, slider. Uh, usually, but it is. I mean, he's he's made it his primary pitch this year, and that's what's what's been the change for him, even as he's lost velocity on the fastball. Uh, I'm not so sure that isn't intentional, the velocity dropping on the fastball. If it's your secondary pitch, you know, you don't need to go all out with it. Yeah, so just keep in mind, like sometimes the, you know, the last 15 starts he did this or last 40 games this hitter did this means nothing. But sometimes it, uh, it can really tell you something. Corbin was a total steal in drafts this year. Mm-hmm. Francisco. But you know, Lador, somebody yeah. to watch and it's, it's easier to, it's easier to suggest breakouts from pitchers who, you know, aren't, aren't already pitching at an ace level. But like I, I could see John Gray taking a huge leap next year. That's somebody who's going to, you know, provided then the, the, the rest of yeah. this season goes well. That's oh. somebody who's going to be on my short list of pitchers to draft. Herman Marquez. I love Herman Marquez. Yeah. He is the Herman. <laughs> oh, I love him. We'll talk about him a little bit later. He's like less than 50% owned. Um, the other guy, last 40 games, he had a 1057 OPS. That was last year. His last 40 games, 1057 OPS. First 119 games, he looked like a bust. He was batting, he had a 772 OPS. He had 19 homers and 8 steals in 119 games. And then the last 40 games, he was one of the best hitters in baseball. And now he is clearly one of the best hitters in baseball. Francisco Lindor. Walk off, three run homer. And last year, Lindor's hard contact rate went up and his fly ball rate went way up. And I, I did find one player who actually fits that profile. And it's Gregory Polanco. His hard contact rate and his fly ball rate are way up. He's going to probably finish the year with a last 60 games kind of stretch where we can say he had this OPS. I I think there's a chance that Polanco is not going to be a top five hitter. He's not good enough against lefties. But could be a top five round type of hitter, certainly. And uh fantasy stalwart. Yeah. Yeah, this... This second half has been the strongest indications of a breakout that we've seen from him in, in a couple years. The first half of 2016 was great also, but he's still young enough at 26 that it's, it's reasonable to think he hasn't put it all together yet. We've, we've kind of been hoping for that for a while from him. Uh, and speaking of Francisco Lindor, if we were drafting today for 2019, I think he'd be the fourth player off the board. After 
Trout Betts and Stanton. his teammate, Jose Ramirez. And Stanton. Stanton, get out of here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I was thinking about that, and I don't disagree, but uh, let's not sell Jose Altuve short. He's, like, guaranteed a lead batting average. He's basically been a base dealer since the start of the, like, like he was 20-30, right? You know, I mm-hmm. mean, I got yeah, no beef among, with him. Among first-rounders who've underachieved this year, and I'm trying to think of how many there are. I guess Blackman, you could say, has a little. Stanton, of course. Harper. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but Altuve's the one who I give the most benefit of the doubt to. He would probably be fifth for me. Yeah. And uh, with all of those guys, you are getting a good mix of power and speed. I do wonder about Trout. I want to see how many bases Trout steals rest of season because this is the second Two out of three or something like that where he has hurt himself sliding headfirst into a base. All right. Those players are amazing. We're trying to find the next ones. And um, that was a fun discussion. Buy low or heck no. I know it's kind of late, but we're still getting a lot of grade the trades. So I think um, I, I think uh, it's still worth talking about some trade candidates. Yeah. I mean, judging by a poll I had on Twitter, only about a quarter of my followers' leagues have had their trade deadline yet. So by lower heck no on Chris Archer, who gave up two runs in five innings with three strikeouts. And he had been dealing with food poisoning on Tuesday, and he had a pretty good start at Colorado, but not a great start, only three Ks. Um, by lower heck no on Chris Archer. I'm inclined to buy low, depending on how low it is, of course. He's still a top 30 starting pitcher for me. Okay. Uh, how about Jose Quintana? Five runs at Kansas at Kansas City. He had only allowed two through six. Then he came out and pitched the seventh, gave up three more runs, and has Milwaukee at home next week. Jose Quintana, buy low or heck no? Heck no to Jose Quintana. He He's another pitcher who's – another one of those Cubs pitchers whose skills appear to have diminished, and Joe Madden's not letting him pitch innings, which is a big part of what carried him during his White Sox years. All right, so heck no on Jose Quintana. Would you rather have Jose Quintana or John Gray? I'd rather have – I think they're pretty close in my rankings. Um, I'd rather have Quintana. Okay. Uh, By low or heck no on D. Gordon, who even for D. Gordon is not walking a lot. 1.5% walk rate. His career low, and he has a 323 Babbitt, which is high for a lot of people, but it's actually pretty low for D. Gordon. By lower heck no on Gordon, Scott. And one last stat. His last four seasons, if you look at like his 160 game pace, basically it's 60 steals. Pretty much every year. He's got 26 steals in 103 games. So, um, not good enough. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why the Mariners would trade for him not to let not to have him run. And I don't know, maybe it's his decision why he's not doing that, but it's uh it's disappointing for a number of reasons. I I wouldn't buy low on him expecting things to get better. But of course, if you need to make up ground in steals, even with even with him uh not living up to, to expectations in that category, he's still 
one of the better bets to help you make up ground there. Oh, let's segue into a segment called Need Some Steals with a question mark. I got three guys uh, that are stealing bases lately. Ahmed Rosario has five steals in six attempts since the All-Star break. Alberto Mondesi has seven steals in his last 14 games, but only one extra, only one home run. It was yesterday. Uh, basically, he was doing nothing but stealing. No walks, 14 strikeouts. And then there's Malik Smith, who's actually batting 450 in August, and he has seven steals in August. Malik Smith is is like running like a madman. Six walks, two strikeouts, 450 batting average in August with seven steals in seven attempts. Uh, Rosario, 26% owned. Mondesi, 29% owned. Malik Smith, 43% owned. Yeah, the one who's going to be most useful with the bat, I think, is is Malik Smith. And it's good timing for him to kind of pick up the pace here now that Austin Meadows is in the Rays organization because I feel like um, Malik Smith would be the one to get bumped for him were that change to happen. But right now, I'd be happy to roster him, start him. He's one of my five outfielders. And uh, hopefully rack up some steals. And I got to tell you, I mean, Scott and I really were um, kind of pushing for Kevin Kiermaier, not in every league, but in the, the right format. He's just been awful. And he was so bad that he was like, take me out of the leadoff spot, put someone else there, because I'm not getting <laughs> – he, he was like, I'm not getting the job done. So he's been bad, and Smith uh, Smith led off yesterday. Again, again I haven't checked uh, how much he's been leading off, but it ain't it ain't Kevin Kiermaier anymore. And, you know, I know a lot of you don't go to Rays games because nobody goes to Rays games. But there are other, more exciting events to go to this summer and into the fall. I mean, we got football season right around the corner. There are always good concerts this time of year. Of course, there's obviously baseball. We can get you there with the SeatGeek app. The SeatGeek app is amazing. I use it all the time. Whenever I'm looking for tickets, I'm currently looking for tickets for a football game in October, monitoring it just about every day on the SeatGeek app to see if the prices are going to drop. Um, and regardless, I'm going to get in that game. And if you want to save 20 bucks on your first purchase, just use the code FANTASY on SeatGeek. So here's how it works. You download the SeatGeek app, or you can go to SeatGeek.com. You search for an event. SeatGeek's going to search multiple sites for you, so you don't have to do the work. Going to bring in all the results, sort them, and give them a grade based on value. You're going to see on the seating chart where the best bang for your buck is. And you're going to purchase the tickets. You can also sort uh, sort so you can see with the fees, you know, the price with the fees as opposed to without the fees, so you know exactly what you're getting into. And then when you make that purchase, every purchase is fully guaranteed, by the way, use the promo code FANTASY. And you will get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. And then you're going to go and you're going to tell all your friends about it because SeatGeek is so much better, more efficient, better prices. You're going to love it. Use the code FANTASY for 20 bucks off. I'm going to take a little bit of a break from yesterday's action and talk uh, talk big picture fantasy stuff. Email of the day number one is from Robert from Fullerton, California. Dear one-game playoff, best of five and best of seven. What are your thoughts on two-week fantasy playoffs? My league just switched to them, but for every for every round. If you do like a two-week playoff, do you like it for every round, just the championship round, or some variation of the two? I like the two-week playoff, and it's something I've been doing in my leagues for a few years. The idea is that if you feel like the outcome of the playoffs is too random compared to the regular season, it it it's uh, kind of waters it it. It, it 
kind of, uh, you know, reduces that, reduces that. Like it's, it's over a longer stretch of time, there are going to be fewer flukes that, uh, that influence the result there. So I like it. Um, there really isn't a lot of downside to it other than it being a little more work for the commissioner. When I implement them, it's still you set your lineup every week. And it's just the, the, the stats from the first week carry over to the second. So that's why it's more work for the commissioner. But you still set your lineups every week, so it's not like there's uh, a risk of you know losing a guy to injury at the start of a two-week period and then going that long without a replacement. Right. Uh, yeah, so that's, I, uh, I, I like it. I, I do too, and two-week playoffs are great. Now, I, I told you guys about a league that I'm the commissioner of where the playoffs have already started and the season will end the first week of September. I don't really like September baseball very much, and I don't mind ending a league early, but I can't do two-week playoffs in that format. Six teams make the playoffs. There are three rounds of playoffs. The first two rounds are one week. The championship round is two weeks. On the other hand, the podcast points league, uh, goes all the way to the end of the year, and the three-week playoffs, they're all two-week rounds. Yeah, I think that's better. I mean, uh, it's its just eliminating luck all the I way. I hate that. Or reducing I, luck all the way through. I hate the last two weeks. I, and the last week of baseball. The last two weeks of baseball suck for fantasy purposes. I, I think my favorite format, if I were going to do it again, I won't do it in the podcast league. We have too much tradition. But if I were going to start a, a league, I would end it. Two weeks before the end of the season, I would start the postseason two weeks earlier. I would do exactly what we're doing with the podcast league. Three rounds of playoffs, two weeks each, but I would just begin it two weeks earlier and end our fantasy season two weeks before the end of the actual baseball season. I think two weeks, I, I don't think you need to go do two weeks. Like I can understand eliminating the last week, but I don't feel like the second to last week there's All right, that many, you know, three inning starts happening. That, that, that's the main worry. I feel like it's the teams that are obviously destined for the playoffs. They leave their starting pitcher out there for just two or three innings just to give him some work, but to realign him for how they want the rotation to be in the postseason. Like those are the most, uh, those are the worst things that happen during that time. You know, non-contenders or teams that are still fighting for playoff positioning, they just run their guys out there like normal. Email of the day number two is from TJ. TJ says, I was listening to your discussion on Roto versus head-to-head. Two points. One, Roto has to be for money with a tiered payout system slash payment system in order to keep people involved. Our league is four teams get money in varying amounts and eight teams pay in varying amounts. Two, Roto just takes far more skill. In my experience, whoever had more starts that week wins a majority of the head-to-head leagues. Well, maybe you need to tweak the rules because that's... That's not my experience. Yeah, it's not true. It's a, it's a myth. Especially now with all these days off, there aren't as many two-star pitchers. Um, I think that's a myth. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with the first point about if you're going to do a Roto League, you have to have a tiered payout system. You have to have enough spots that have something at stake. That said, there's no way, unless you're paying out like eight people, there's no way you're going to have as many people competing for a long time in a Roto League as you are in a head-to-head league, you know, up until the playoffs. It's just like I'm in that 13 team roto league. I think like four people are competing at this point. Uh, yeah. So, just kind of the fact fact there. Um, yeah, roto does roto take more skill? Roto definitely awards the best team more so than a head to head points league or a head to head categories league. There's no playoffs. There's no random chance. No bad week. 
Yeah. Roto does that. Roto does do that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think we'll just leave it at that. Okay. There, there is, there is more of an element of luck in head to head leagues than there is in Roto. That's, that's fair to say. Is it an unwanted variable of luck? Uh, I don't know that it is. I don't know that it is. I find it's more exciting to watch your matchup play out over the course of the week than to see what's usually very little movement in the Roto rankings at this stage of the season. That's, I don't know. I find it more rewarding. But for the most part, I believe that luck is, is an, is, you know, the better games, just speaking in the context of all games, not just fantasy sports, the better games, uh, are the ones that reward the participants' decisions and, and, and have less luck involved. I just, I just don't know that zero luck or, I don't know. I, I I think there I think there's a point where some luck is is helpful to the game. Yeah, it makes it a little more a little more fun. Like you got great fantasy football stories of oh man, I had this amazing season and then week sixteen this this thing had like that's kind of frustrating, but at the same time it's kind of the fun of fantasy. A little bit of the mm-hmm. thrill. Uh in the bullpen, Michael Gibbons got a save yesterday. He's sixteen percent owned. He has two saves in four days for the Orioles. Having a bad year, but usually a pretty good pitcher, Michael Givens. He has a funky spelling of his first name. It's M-Y-C-H. I think it's just E-L, but it might be A-E-L. But it's M-Y for sure. So if you're looking for him, keep that in mind. Are you looking to add any of these players? Mark Trumbo, who is batting 417 with four home runs in August. Mike Zanino, 52% owned. And Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, 25% owned. Yeah, Kyner Falefa's been playing a lot, and it's it's at the expense of Robinson Chirinos, who I think is a better hitter, so I don't know that it's necessarily good news. But he's been playing enough and performing well enough at catcher um, that I feel like in two catcher leagues he deserves some attention. Trumbo, of course, is just a couple years removed from a 50-homer season and is... On what would be about a 30 homer pace if we, if, uh, if he hadn't missed April this season, like if we were extending it over 150 games or whatever. So there's, there's some, there's a chance he's useful in five outfielder rotisserie leagues for helping that category. And and kind of for Leffa is the number nine catcher in points, number seven in Roto over the last 21 days. He has split the last three, the last six games with Chirinos. They've each started three. Prior to that, Chirinos had started six of the last seven, and kind of left played third base twice. So it seems like they play him kind of every other day. Um, mm-hmm. all right, Scott, do we have a breakout here? Two pitchers that are showing some signs. Herman Marquez, he's actually 57% owned. He struck out 10 Pirates in six innings. He gave up 10 hits. Three runs, two walks, ten strikeouts, twenty swinging strikes, and now has 139 strikeouts in 128 and two thirds, and three straight quality starts at home. He'll be on the road at Houston and at Atlanta next week. This is Armand Marquez, uh, and Trevor Richards, 22% owned. Last five starts, 153 ERA, 32 strikeouts to nine walks in 29 and a third, and a lot of fly balls and a pretty good swinging strike rate. Armand Marquez, mm-hmm. Trevor Richards, do we have a breakout here. I, this is when I when I talk about swinging strikes a lot, 
and the impact they can have on a pitcher. I think we're seeing it play out uh, pretty definitively with these two pitchers. Herman Marquez's last seven starts have all been double-digit swinging strikes versus only five of his first 16. So last seven, all double digits, only five of his first 16. And it's it's clear when the turning point happened for him in terms of ERA. Same thing for Trevor Richards. It's five starts in a row with double-digit swinging strikes versus just four of his first 12. So I would say if whatever's contributing to the uptick in swinging strikes continues, then the success for the most part will continue too. For Richards, I know it's mostly been the changeup for Marquez. Uh, he's always been regarded as having a pretty good curveball. Um, and he, really, he throws I mean, really Marquez hard. He's been too. great on the road all year. Yeah, he's been great on the road, and Marquez is like a flamethrower, basically. He throws really hard. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's got good stuff, and I, I'd love to see him get out of Colorado. That's not going to happen. I trust them on the road. At Houston and at Atlanta is not the easiest matchups, but Houston won't have George Springer, and we don't know if they'll have Altuve. I'm going to start him next week, certainly in a two-start week. I'll have a decision to make about him in a one-start week. But yeah. um, but I think Marquez has earned it on the road no matter what the matchup is. I mean, he had a great start at the Brewers not too long ago. The question but of is, those seven, three of them were at home, right? Like there's been three right. good ones in a row at home. Do you trust him at so, home? This wasn't a great start. I mean, he gave up ten hits and three runs in six innings. Yeah, but... It was a quality start. It was mostly just the hits and like among things a pitcher can allow, you know, I, I am much more concerned with home runs, walks and, and strikeouts than hits. Yeah. I so think I, I up, chalk uh, it up as a good home start for him. I think he gave up three doubles. No home, no yeah. homers, right? For Marquez yesterday. I don't believe so. Yeah. I don't think so. And what? 10 strikeouts to no walks? Two walks. Two walks. Okay. Two walks. It was a good start, I think. I am. I mean, it's two road starts next week. If hmm. so, it's a, it's going to be a while before we have to consider him at home. If he was making two home starts next week, I would absolutely start him in that hypothetical scenario. Okay, Richards. I mean, Richards is only twenty two percent owned, so he's you know even more on the periphery in fantasy, and he doesn't have like a great pedigree or um, you know, he's not he he doesn't have the big fastball that. Herman Marquez has. So I'm, he's a little more of a curiosity at this point, but five starts in a row. I mean, you definitely, you definitely have to, uh, consider him at this point. I got a lot to say about Marco Gonzalez. So let's get to the rotation, four man rotation from yesterday. Mike Fultonevich had a pretty good start, five and two thirds, three runs, uh, but one earned, two walks and seven strikeouts at the Nationals. Marco Gonzalez had a terrible start. Five innings, 12 hits, seven runs, no walks, three strikeouts, two homers allowed at Texas. Vince Velasquez had a terrible start. Four innings, four runs, two strikeouts at Arizona, and he gets Boston and the Mets next week. And Yolisha Seen was good enough. Six innings, three runs, three strikeouts against San Diego. Uh, you got your quality start. I think you got your win. He has two quality starts in your la- in his last six starts, and he's at the Cubs next week, and Chasin is 82% owned. Um, these guys are all owned in 82% of leagues or more. How would you rank Fultonevich, Gonzalez, Velasquez, and Chassin? Chassin's a distant fourth. I would rank the other three. Uh, I would go Gonzalez, Fultonevich, and then Velasquez 
They're pretty close, though. They're within a range of 15 pitchers. So Gonzalez, Fultonevich, and Velasquez in that order, and they're all pretty close. And do you think they're must-start guys, or do you play the matchups with them? I play the matchups. Okay. Again, a deep enough league, like 15-team league. Uh, I'm sure they would be must-start. I, I had basically been approaching Marco Gonzalez as a must-start pitcher because there wasn't a lot in the underlying stats that suggested what he was doing was due for any kind of correction. But obviously, this was an awful, awful start. Well, I'll tell you what so, happened. I have a lot to say about Marco Gonzalez. Are you ready? Go for it. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's fly ball pitcher. And the, first of all, the Rangers— No, he's not a fly ball pitcher. He's a ground ball pitcher. Oh, he's a ground ball— I was just looking at it, too, to confirm, and I read the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, all right, well, that's honestly, that doesn't matter. The Rangers okay. have been very good lately. They have scored seven or more runs in seven of their last 12 games. So this was not an easy matchup. He has now made four starts in hitters' parks this year. That's not a lot. And he's been terrible in three of them. Now, two of them were the Yankees and the Red Sox. At the Yankees, at the Red Sox, back-to-back starts, 11 earned runs at 12 and a third. Earlier this year, six scoreless innings at the White Sox, hitter's park, but, but you know. Do we consider the uh, Indians to have a hitter's park or a more neutral? Uh, I would consider it more of a hitter's park, yeah. Right, he Not had a good start er, earlier the year against the Indians, but I believe that was when they, they weren't really hitting that well. So I, I don't – I mean, okay, he is a ground ball pitcher that does have to factor in a little bit, but four starts in hitter's parks, three of them have been terrible – um, the good news is he pitches in Seattle, and that's great. And the Rangers are a, a tough, tough matchup right now. They are a buzzsaw. So, yeah, it stunk. It sucked. But I'm going to roll him back out there next week at Oakland and home against the Dodgers. Oh, yeah, two starts, absolutely. And two starts at Pitcher's Parks. Right. And the Dodgers, you know, they, they aren't good against lefties, but that was before Machado and Dozier. I don't know how they've been since adding Machado and Dozier. But, uh yeah, I, I'm willing to give more credit to the Rangers than blame to Gonzalez. At the same time, it, I mean, I was always slightly concerned because it seemed like it was a little bit too good to be true. It's not like he has amazing stuff, in my opinion. He doesn't have amazing stuff, but he has amazing control and ground ball tendencies, and it's not like it was a low uh BAPIP that was driving the production. So I still feel good about him. Fringy starting pitchers, do you feel good about Mike Fires or Jaime Berea? Mike Fires or Jaime Berea? I don't find much to like about Jaime Berea. Even when he pitches well, it's usually a few strikeouts, and he's not even going six innings at a time. So there's not a lot to like there, I don't think. But Mike Fires has been better than I think he's gotten credit for. Obviously spent the majority of this season with the, with the Tigers who aren't any good. Uh, but good debut for Oakland and now in his last eight starts a 193 ERA. The strikeouts, like we've seen good Mike Fires in the past and when he's been I good, there have been a lot of strikeouts and that hasn't been true this year. So there's, I'm still skeptical, but I do think he's useful in a streaming sort of way. Doesn't it? And this has fooled you written all over it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, I can't argue it. Yeah. Um, and then in deep leagues, Charlie Culberson has homered in his last three starts, which is over a stretch of six games for the Braves. Charlie Culberson. And Heath Fillmeyer 
has a 313 ERA. I'm going to assume you have very, very little interest in, maybe no interest in either Charlie Culberson or Heath Fillmire. I, yeah, I don't. I would say I'd rather see Charlie Culber- Culberson start than Dansby Swanson at this point. I think if Culberson were to get full time at bats, he'd be more useful in fantasy, but I don't have much hope of that happening. Let's read some emails and then we'll do today's matchups. Uh, this is from Brian in Brooklyn. Is it okay to drop Gary Sanchez in my 12-team points league? I just traded away Brandon Morrow for Yasmani Grandal, and I don't imagine ever benching Grandal. So is it okay to bench, to drop Gary Sanchez? No, I wouldn't do that. He's, on a per-game basis, he's actually been better than Grandal this year, even though he has a sub-200 batting average, which tells you a little something about what the upside looks like when he does return. It'll be, he said it's a head-to-head league, right? Yeah. So, you know, you'll be right on the verge of the playoffs, if not in the playoffs by the time he returns. Um, I don't, like, I guess I can understand, because obviously there won't be a chance to trade Grandal to somebody else when that happens. That would be the ideal. And I'm assuming he's already tried shopping Sanchez now and not gotten any takers. If if you just have to if you you don't have a DL spot where you can stash him and you have to use this bench on the spot on a second catcher, that's obviously not ideal. So maybe maybe it'll force your hand, but it'll play into somebody else's hand because there's a good chance Gary Sanchez is beating you come playoff time. Okay, uh, next email is from Nick. He says, hey, Robbie, Raffi, and Cal. Robbie, Robbie? Raffi, I think I know who that is. Are though, is that like Orioles infield? Yeah, I think so. In yeah. the mid-90s? Mm-hmm. Uh, all David Dahl does is hit when he's up. Would you drop, I disagree with that, by the way. Would you drop Matt Olson, D. Gordon, Mitch Hanniger, or Johan Moncada for David Dahl? Olson, Gordon, Hanniger, or Moncada for Dahl? Yeah, I dropped, I, would, I dropped Mankata in a second. Oh, I wanted, I don't, well, I don't have any, I, I guess I don't have any qualms if you decide to do that, cause I don't know that Mankata is somebody you'll miss greatly, but I feel like, I, I feel like the playing time's more assured there and the upside is just as high, so Look, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. drop Dahl for any of the them. Upside, or I, mean, I want to drop any of them for Dahl. I'm not sure it's happened in this year for Mankata. Yeah. He can move D. Gordon from outfield to second base and pick up another outfield. I, I'd be looking at somebody and getting rid of Mankata, but um all right, here's a here's an email from Freddie from Washington. And uh he says, Hey Hank Aaron, or Aaron Hank, <laughs> fighting to make the playoffs, I need to make a drastic decision in a categories league. My bench is loaded with only two DL slots Sale, McCullers, Darvish, Donaldson, and Ramos. Who do I cut? I need to add a streaking hitter. Okay, you're not cutting Sale. He'll be back this weekend. So mm-hmm. um, he has only two DL slots, McCullers, Darvish, Donaldson, and Ramos. Who do you cut? Who do you keep out of those four? I, w- I, I would I – would, um, McCullers, out of here. I would drop two of them. Uh, McCullers would be the one. Yeah, I'm not sure we're going to see – any starts from him rest of this season because you got to figure he'll be coming out of the bullpen in the postseason. So there's not – by the time he's healthy again, I'm not sure there's going to be much incentive to stretch him out. Uh, and 
I definitely want to cut Ramos because he's pretty close to returning too. So it's between Darvish and who's the other one? Uh, Donaldson. Yeah, Donaldson. Who are both looking at lengthy rehabilitations, I think. I think Darvish has the better chance of being an impactful player when he does return though. So I would say drop, uh, McCullers easily and Donaldson with some hesitation. Email from Nick. Can we give David Peralta some love? Is Peralta being overlooked a little or is his value more catered to my league, which is a 12 team categories league? And I'm not sure if it's, uh, daily or not. Three out filters are fine. Oh, uh, daily or not. Yeah. But I don't uh, He's way. pretty close to a must start when he's healthy, I would say. David Dahl. No, uh, per- Peralta. Sorry, David Peralta. Peralta. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the hard, highest hard contact rates in baseball. The fly ball percentage is low, but it hasn't impacted his power. It's, it's low in how it usually has been throughout his career. He's been very productive this season. I, I would say he's pretty close to must start, even in three outfielder leagues. This is, uh, Brad from upstate New York. Dear Hand, Peacock, Boxberger, and Zimmer. Okay, so what did those four? Oh, come on, Scott. Hand, Peacock, Box, Boxberger, and Zimmer. <laughs> go ahead, say their names. Hand, Peacock, Boxburgers. Oh, say their cool names. Yeah, they're Brad. Brad. There you uh, go. Now, real quick, off script. Name another famous Brad. Pitt. Oh, very good. I couldn't think of anything. I don't know why. I could not think of one Brad. Brad Pitt. Good call. Ten team head to head categories. OBP league. Who do you like rest of the season? Jerks and Profar or Marwin Gonzalez? Oh, definitely Profar. Not even close. Yeah. And uh Joe from Wadsworth, Illinois, basically wants us to commiserate with him about how Josh Donaldson has been the most frustrating player in fantasy. No break of any bone or surgery of any kind to speak of. How annoying is it that we are almost up to three months now waiting for Josh Donaldson to return? Can anyone remember the last time a player was sidelined this long and there was <laughs> no broken or no broken bone or no surgery prefer- performed? I'm sure it's happened, but uh Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh Countless examples. It's it's so common that that I couldn't. We can't even, even think of. Right? Yeah, so. I couldn't. No, nobody stands out. <laughs> but I will say, you know, since we transitioned from Profar to Donaldson, there uh, about a month and a half ago, I traded Donaldson in a dynasty league for Jerickson Profar. Now it's it's a situation where Donaldson would have been, I think, like a twenty-seven dollar keeper versus Profar being a five dollar keeper, but. I've gotten a lot of use out of Profar since that trade, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure the Donaldson owner is going to get any use, any meaningful use out of him the rest of this season. All right, let's go to today's matchups. The Braves are at the Nationals. We have Anibal Sanchez against Gio Gonzalez. I would start Anibal. We've got Jose Barrios at Corey Kluber. We'll start them both. Robbie Erlin, interesting, at Javi, at Junior Guerra. Robbie Erlin at Junior Guerra. Start Guerra. All right. Rangers at Yankees. Gerardo at Hap. Yeah, I, I can't trust Hap. I, the Rangers are just too good right now. Oh, I forgot okay. about a segment. I forgot about a segment. We'll do it after this. Oh, no. Or we'll do it tomorrow. Uh, I'm fine passing on Hap as first start back from hand, foot, and mouth syndrome. What happened to my third base segment? I feel like I, I got deleted know. from my notes. It was about Rafael Devers, Travis Shaw, and Joey Gallo. Sounds like a horrible segment, but what? I did not delete it. What? It's a great segment. Shaw's okay. homered in three straight games. Gallo's 
two homers yesterday has been hot. Devers uh, came off the DL and homered. It's a great segment. Okay. Yeah. All right, tomorrow. I don't know. Rick Porcello at Ryan Barucki. Yucky Barucki. <laughs> Against the Red Sox, yeah. I would say that's yucky. So uh, just Porcello. We've got uh, Orioles at Rays. David Hess at a relief pitcher, Hunter Wood. No. Yeah. No. Uh, by the way, Faria did not start yesterday. I thought he was going to No, start. he didn't. Yeah. He didn't even pitch yesterday, no, did he? No. James hmm. Paxton at Justin Verlander. Yeah. Both, both. Seats. Oh, Ross Stripling is back. I did not even realize that. I am sorry. Ross Stripling at Tyler Anderson tonight. Mr. Anderson. Um, Ooh, this is a tough one. Tough for both of them. Yeah. That course field, first of all. Anderson's been shaky lately. Stripling just back from injury. I am going to say start both. Caution to the wind. Uh, by the way, Jake Faria dealing with a sore neck. And Pirates at Giants, Ivan Nova at Andrew Suarez. No. Correct. You're, you're right to say no. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We're coming back tomorrow with another edition of Fantasy Baseball Today. A little Kokomo Friday for you. We'll talk to you then.